You look fantastic. No, I don't. You know why? Because I got bad Botox. Let me tell you about it. Okay. You can't tell because the lights are very dim. Mm-hmm. This eye is it's requiring a lot of effort to keep it open. You know, now that you mention it. Yeah, it's smaller than this one, right? <laughs> I can't raise that eye. <laughs> so here's what happened. You go to see this girl, Monica. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. My, anybody from New Jersey, go see Monica at Montclair Rejuvenation Center. She's amazing. Um, I usually see her. I had an appointment, as, as I told you last Friday, when I got all that Botox. And, all um, that Botox. A lot. So I, much Botox. So many places. So many places. My whole forehead, around my eyes, my sad face, my frowny face, my marionette lines. So I usually see Monica. Well, Monica was not mm-hmm. available. So they called me. They're like, hey, the, Monica's not available, but the doctor can see you. And I was like, okay, because Monica's oh, an the inj- actual doctor. Yeah, because Monica's an injector. Mm-hmm. So like she's a nurse and an injector. So I was like, oh, the doctor. Okay, like this is like a the official person who like runs this entire operation. Yeah, you just got upgraded. Yeah. So I was like, oh, sweet. Is the price the same? They're like, yeah, you just pay per unit for Botox. So I was like, incredible. So I go there and I'm talking to the doctor, whatever. And so she's like, what do you usually do? So I tell her, I'm like, I'm going to do my 11s, which is right here. Your little lines between your eyebrows <laughs> yeah. are called 11s. <laughs> and then like, I was like, you know, 11s. And then like a little bit on my forehead right here, all the way at the top. And then my crow's lines, my crow's feet. And mm-hmm. then I want to do my frownies today. And so she was like, yep, no problem. So I was like, and then I said to her, I said, it's all in my chart. Because Monica has like an app that she uses and she opens Mm -hmm. it up and she always takes pictures of you and she marks it all up and all that stuff. And so she was like, yeah, no problem. I know what she, she didn't say I know what I'm doing. She was like, yeah, no problem. I got it. So as she's injecting me, I'm starting to realize this is not where Monica usually injects me. Where Monica usually injects me is all the way up top, like my hairline. And then just like the corners, outside corners of my eyes. And then just the area between my eyebrows. That's the only place that Monica injects me. Okay. But mm-hmm. this lady was going all over my forehead and all around my eyebrows. So I was like, okay, she's a doctor. She knows what yeah. she's doing. Yeah. So I said, I was like, oh, okay. And then she said, let me know how you like it. She's like, I know Monica's really good, but I've been doing it a lot longer than she oh, has. Throwing Monica under the bus. What kind throwing of doctor Monica is this? Monica under the bus. Well, Sunday rolls around. I wake up, Raheel, and I'm like, my right eye can't open. <laughs> This isn't good. I'm like, this is a problem. So I was like, I'm just tired. Maybe I slept weird. No big deal, right? So I just like massage my face and I like looking at my eyebrows and I start to realize I can't move my right eyebrow at all, okay? And then on Monday, I'm getting ready for work. I'm trying to put on mascara. I can't, okay? The what do you mean keeps, you can't? The eye keeps shutting. So like my top lid is so heavy that like when I go to put on my mascara, it just gets to my eyelid. Like I can't do anything about it. So I call them. I'm like, hey, I usually see so-and-so and and she wasn't there and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, oh, yeah, no problem. Come tomorrow and we'll see what we can do for you. Spoiler alert. Guess what? Uh You can't do anything for Botox. Once Botox is in your system, Mm -hmm. that's it. You have to wait until it's out, right? You have to wait until it's out. And How you, long? Can't, you can't even wait until you have to wait a full two weeks before the like it settles into where it's supposed to settle. So oh, so this this could be more pronounced. Yeah. By then. 
Yeah. Yeah. And guess what? I'm going to LA tomorrow. Oh, no. Well, I mean, you fit in then. No. Bad plastic surgery in LA. <laughs> so, and then yesterday there was a snowstorm, so I didn't even get to see them. So they called me no. and they were like, can we reschedule? And I was like, yeah, I'll see you next week when it's the two week mark and you can look at my face and I'll be damned if I don't get something for free. Because yeah, that's course. what I, I'm going to throw around that word negligence. <laughs> Medical. <laughs> Malpractice. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Throw in HIPAA. No. What's HIPAA? That's the personal, like your personal health yeah. records. I don't well, like you. HIPAA. Your personal medical records are written all over your face right now. <laughs> your so, yeah, face this. is a HIPAA violation. <laughs> I'm walking malpractice right now. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. You know, as you've been talking, yeah. I've, been, I've been looking at your face. Yeah. And it's pretty obvious. It's not moving. It's not, like, yeah. My, my forehead is not moving at all. You know mm -hmm. the other thing? So th something like this has happened to me before. Exactly a year ago, I went in and I got my Botox and I said, hey, Monica, can we do a brow lift for me? And she was like, okay. Mm -hmm. She's like, just so you know, sometimes this can happen with a brow lift, but let's see because everybody's face is a little bit different. I was like, okay, cool. No mm -hmm. problem. So I remember uh, right before we left for London, it was Aiden's birthday party and our brother was over and he looked at me. He goes, why do you keep bulging your eyes at me? And I was like, I can't. <laughs> lift my eyebrows and I'm tr I'm talking the way I usually talk when I emphasize things with my eyebrows but the problem is the eyebrows are not moving so all you see are bulging eyes and so I had gone to Monica then and she was like okay great now we know this so it's in your chart and we mm -hmm. will know not to do that area yeah guess what doctor didn't check my chart so I'll say this your forehead looks great it's very smooth I know yeah you could chop an onion on it I mean, yeah, okay. but looks good. So, yeah. what would be the fix now? Would they just do your left side the same side the the same? No, because then they're side? both gonna close. No, I think that so the the fix apparently is that you wait two weeks and then you can massage the areas, the muscles that you want to reawaken. So you can actually use like anything that vibrates mm -hmm. to like just a vibrator, even <laughs> to like put on your areas where you want the mu the muscle to start to like wake up again. But you have nice. to wait the full two weeks before you do that. So Botox is actually like it kills cells, right? Is that the deal? It freezes your cells. It's, yeah. It's botulism. <laughs> yeah. It's a t the tox is toxin. It's what they used to kill people in the in medieval times. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Best of luck with that. Hey, I have a question for you. You know, I've been yeah. reading a lot, right? Oh, good. Yeah, I'm on my fifth book of the year. Oh, of the year? Yeah. February 14th? I know. I've been reading like a book a week. Oh. <laughs> Fod just walked in and threw a credit card at me. <laughs> he said, do something with that face, will ya? <laughs> anyway. On the house. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I've been reading a book a week. I really like it. Have you, have you ever, um, do you know Red? The <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know the story of Achilles? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. I learned it in seventh grade. Not only do I know the story of Achilles, uh -huh. when we learned, uh, Greek myths, Mm -hmm. In seventh grade, we mm -hmm. all got to choose a subject. Mm 
uh-huh. my subject was was Achilles. Okay. So in your recollection of the story of Achilles, mm-hmm. um, was he gay? What? No, he was not. It was seventh grade in 1995. <laughs> in I Pennsylvania. Don't think, yeah, I don't think gay people were a thing back then. <laughs> they didn't have gays. Now, you're saying there were no gay people in the Greeks? Well, I got something to say, <laughs> No, I read this book. It's really good. I would actually suggest you read it, too. You used to be a reader. You enjoyed reading. I was reading, books. yeah. There was one point, I think summer 2004, I was reading a book a week. Yeah. It's not more. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, this is the problem that we have is like in our family, we don't know how to do things in moderation. Nope. Go all in. <laughs> and then we talk about it. And then we say, this is the greatest thing ever. It's not. But the, you should read this this book. It's called The Song of Achilles. I had no idea what it was about. I was like, whatever. This is mm-hmm. another thing I've been doing. I've just been picking up books and reading them and like not reading any synopsis. I'm like, whatever. It seems popular. Let's see what it's about. So mm-hmm. I started reading it, and uh, yeah, did you know that Achilles' heel, the thing that actually killed Achilles was not his heel? It was the poison in the arrow. It was his heart. No. What? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. No. First of all, you do know that Achilles isn't a real person, right? <laughs> I beg to differ. <laughs> no. Um. So I told my husband this. I was like, hey, did you know Achilles was a gay man? And he was like, what? And then he said, oh, yeah, actually, when Troy came out, mm-hmm. there was a whole thing because they made the the uh, character, his lover, I think his name is, I just read the book. I don't know how to pronounce his name, Pat- Patroclus. Oh, so they made him his cousin. His cousin, not yeah. his cousin. Oh. Well, yeah, I mean, even if, he, if he, even if he was his cousin. It's not stopping the Greeks. Nope. but um, Or the Pakistanis. Anyway, so- nope. <laughs> Uh, he, um, yeah, so that was his, it was his like lover. It was his best friend. It was his companion. Well, and so I, weren't they all pretty much bisexual? I thought that was a deal with the Greeks and the Romans. Okay, Everyone's just like, it's so good. You know, you gotta, you gotta read it. It's a good one. So, so wait, now is this a love story about Achilles and his cousin slash lover? Not his cousin. Yes. Lover. Yeah. Okay. So that's it. That's the entire thing. Yeah. Start to finish. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, it's a it's nah. a Greek tragedy, so a lot of sad stuff. Because you already know what's going to happen at the end, right? But you're yeah. like, this is going to kill me. Did you read the entire thing? Have you read the entire thing? Yeah, I've already moved on to my next book. I'm 60% done with it. Oh, wow. Um, I don't want to know about <laughs> it. Uh, so in, the, in this book, does the lover die? I'm not telling you that. I, first of all, none of this is real. <laughs> secondly i just want to compare it to the movie because in the movie the cousin dies because he pretends to be achilles on a day mm-hmm. that achilles doesn't go to battle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is that fairly uh similar to what happens yes, in the book correct okay. but it's uh the circumstances around it are a little bit different i got you yeah well, there you it's go good stuff anyway sad for you achilles yeah but listen i've been talking about all this other stuff distractions i appreciate it (laughs) i said look at my stupid face your stupid face uh the tragedy of your stupid face is actually making me the tragedy of your stupid face and achilles's um you know tragic love story are actually making me feel a little bit better thank you i appreciate that yeah you know a lot of people were worried about you a lot of they should have been oh okay (laughs) 
They were sad. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, so there's a couple of things I read. So obviously, the 49ers lost. Mm. And it's three days later. Mm-hmm. And like, I am still bummed out about it. Like, yeah. I am still like my my life is worse <laughs> for the last three days because I keep thinking about it yeah. and like how sad I am and things like that. Right. And I've been kind of like reflecting on it. Like, why does it matter? Mm-hmm. Why does it matter? Like, wouldn't it just be easier mm-hmm. if it if I didn't care? Right. Mm-hmm. But like, I do care and I want to yeah. care. And, yeah. like, I love caring. Do you know how I became a 49ers fan? Do you know the backstory of my 49ers fandom? I just assumed that it was because when we moved to America, um, you... Uh, They'd won? Yeah. And I jumped on a bandwagon? Yeah. How dare you? Okay. Is it because our parents, like, got a hat and that was the hat that you picked? That no. That's how our brother picked the Washington team. Our brother, um, we went. They went to a convenience store that was owned by a family friend, and you know how they used to have those hats. Yeah. Um, he picked out two hats, one for me, one for himself. The one that he gave me was just an NFL hat. It just oh, said it was just yeah, the I NFL. That hat. Yeah. He picked uh, the Washington team, uh, the name, the racist name that I will not be repeating. Yeah. Um, and he was very excited about it because he said. Uh, afterwards because I, I, I didn't go with him um, yeah. but he was like uh, you get the NFL hat I will take the Cleveland Indians hat oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh no and then our cousins were like hey <laughs> buddy <laughs> life yeah. in America huh yeah exactly so this was like 1994 and that's probably the that's a year that i became a 49ers fan but my introduction to the 49ers is completely random like so it was in rochester mm-hmm. um when we came here in 93 right mm-hmm. and i had was just casually walking by the tv one day and they were showing a bills and 49ers game which uh-huh. for years i thought was like a preseason game like after the fact yeah. Um, but it was probably a replay of this very famous game. It's called the No Punt Game from 1992 uh-huh. when the 49ers and the Bills were really good. Anyways, I was walking by the TV. Our cousins were watching it, and they were they told me two things. One was that you know it was the San Francisco 49ers, mm-hmm. and that their quarterback was really good, and their quarterback at the time was Steve Young. Mm-hmm. Um, and they told me he's a lawyer, and they're like, he's really good because he probably just won the MVP that year. So they were like, yeah, the 49ers. Hold on. He's a lawyer? Yeah, he passed the bar and everything. Steve Young. Yeah. Man of character. Great guy. Okay. Uh, You know, descendant of Brigham Young, but whatever. Yeah. Problematic, but you know. Yeah, problematic. Believe things in the 70s, I'm sure. (laughs) Positive. Positive. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so our cousins in Rochester said the 49ers are pretty good. And you do not want to root for the Bills because at that point, the Bills had lost three state Super Bowls, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little nugget of information that I have, right? And I was like, okay, I guess San Francisco is good. I, I don't know how football works at that point, so I don't care. Yeah. Then we went to Baltimore and our cousins went to the All-Star game or they went to or we watched the All-Star game with them, right? Mm-hmm. And I was watching it and I saw an SF logo. Mm-hmm. on the player and i was like is that the 49ers first again again i was 10 at the time i don't know uh-huh. how these american sports work and they're like no that's the san francisco giants and that player is barry bonds and huh. he's very good but he's an he's a jerk that's what they told yeah. me 
Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe there's something to this SF thing, right? Um, And then we were at a rest area. This third one is weird. And you know, like you put in like quarters and you get like a little knickknack toy or whatever. Yeah. I got a knickknack toy and it was a San Francisco Giants helmet. So at that point, I was like, the San Francisco thing seems to be like tied to me. So I'm just, you know, I'm going to hop on the San Francisco train. Little did I know, but every single Desi homophobe has told me in the 30 years since apparently san francisco has a history with gay people and people (laughs) love to point that out yeah anyway so 94 we came back our friends in pennsylvania in between 93 and 94 had learned football they didn't know football before then and that summer all we did was watch like these nfl films things Mm -hmm. on espn2 and so good the best and that's how I learned football. It was that and a video game called Joe, Man- Joe Montana 1994. So yeah. by the end of that summer, I was a full-fledged 49ers fan. That was that. it. Aww. So when we were back in Saudi Arabia, I would get like little updates because the BBC Sports would show weekly what was going on. So I knew when they had won and I was excited about the fact that they had won. But I, I'd never watched it. 95 was the season for me mm. when I became a full-fledged 49ers fan. I followed the entire season i had my first great victory which was over the cowboys in the middle of the season um steve young was injured and then at the end of the year they were vying for the number one seed right yeah um by the way i'm sorry the story's so long that's um, okay why, so, why are you apologizing it's lovely um so you can't the, tell that i'm interested because i can't move my <laughs> you can't emote <laughs> you just you just seem shocked by this story <laughs> And your one eye looks like it's asleep. Yeah. So at the end of the year, they had this game. I remember watching this game uh, live. They were playing the Falcons. And the game was important because if the 49ers won, they would be the number one seed in the NFC. Right. Mm -hmm. And they lost a heartbreaker. And that was the first heartbreaking loss that I ever experienced. Right. Mm -hmm. And then um, there were two weeks between the game and the playoffs. And I wrote a letter. To the, to the San Francisco 49ers. Because the team needed me to hype them up. I was like, guys, I just watched this game. It's a really tough loss. But it's okay. We're going to be okay. One thing I remember about this letter was that first name basis, Steve and Jerry. Steve and Jerry, you guys are awesome. <clears throat> this was a letter that I wrote by hand. I found my uh, social studies teacher, Mr. Cole, helped me find the address for the 49ers uh, because we sent it to 3Com Park at the time. Uh-huh. Um, and I made our mother send it out. So, <laughs> so I never heard back from them. Well, that's it's, rude. Yeah, that really is rude. I should have quit right then. Yeah, because that's how I, that's the kind of person <laughs> I am. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> So the point is, like, so I've been sad now for, like, three days. I'm going to be mm-hmm. sad for a couple more days. But I think, essentially, like, the person that's sad is that little 12-year-old boy, right? Like, that's probably, like, Well, real. this is great point because that is inner child work, buddy, yeah. that you're just doing I'm sure. right now. Yeah. And I'm sure there's, like, a lot of other, uh, like, a lot of other contributing factors to it, right? Like, when we moved here, our brother and I, we threw ourselves into sports like 100%, right? And yeah. I think about that and I'm like I wonder why we did that. Obviously, we really enjoyed watching sports and we really like sports, but I think for me it was 
the first NFL season was incredible. Like I'd never experienced anything like that. Um, and the other part is like the 95, 96 bulls were huge for us. Right. Yeah. But I'm sure part of it also is like, we were just kids in like a new place. Yeah. And we just wanted to kind of like, it was our way to kind of melt in. Cause I remember yeah. talking to everybody about it. Right. So that's probably why it's as important as it is, but man, this one, this one really hurts. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Anyway. No, no, go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying, like, sports losses, some of them, man, they get you. And you're like, why the fuck do I care so much? But you do. It's okay. This one, fe- I mean... this one feels like like a second cousin died. <laughs> <laughs> second cousin. <laughs> well, Fahad, when he was, he was sad. He was sad for you. And then he also he said something like, I can't believe these, you know, he said something like, I, I can't believe these motherfuckers did it again. I, they did it to us last year. And I feel like I was just here watching this. And now they're doing yeah. it. I, like he was like a little he was because, you know, you've got on record on the podcast saying that he doesn't care and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. And he's just on the bandwagon. But he cares. Nah, listen, I know he cares because he's a good person and a kind hearted soul. And that's um, what good persons do. That's what he, no, listen, honestly, like if you were watching a 49ers game, don't you just want to root for them? Don't they just look like the good guys to you? <laughs> I think, well, I will or say do you this. Do you think that's in my head? I think it's in your head, but I do think that there was like I went to uh, get a haircut today and while I was there, I was like, so like, who, where did you watch the Super Bowl? And like, there was a couple people there that were getting their hair done too. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, were you rooting? I was like, yeah, I'm sad. I was rooting for the 49ers. And they were all like, us too. A lot of people were rooting for the 49ers. And I think a lot of it is because of the tw- Taylor Swift of it all. But I think that like, and also just because like, it's always fun to root for the underdog. Like, I think exactly. it's, all, it's always fun to be like, okay, well, the Chiefs won last year. So like, let's not root for them again this year mm-hmm. um but you know it was uh it was also a heartbreaker because it was such a close game don't even get me started don't even get <laughs> don't. me started let me tell you that that extra point that was blocked yeah happened and i said i turned to Fahad and i said that's it that's gonna be the thing that cost cost them the game and father was like yep you know that's what I say because that's what he does every time. Yeah, he sends daggers. Um, <laughs> so you know, obviously the extra point didn't help, um, but in the course of the game, you know that obviously matters. You want the point, right? Because the game ended in overtime. You can tell yourself, yeah. hey, if they had the extra point, they would have won in regulation. But at the same time, the Chiefs would have been going for a touchdown instead of settling for yeah, of course, uh, a field goal at that point, and they were on the nine yard line. But like, you know, they got there was this punt that got kicked by somebody's like the back of somebody's foot. And that's how the Chiefs scored the first touchdown. Yeah. The fact that like what hurts is the 49ers weren't supposed to be better and they were obviously better. They were obviously the better team in in the game and they didn't (sighs) win. They didn't capitalize on their on their, you know. I don't like when the confetti is falling and they zoom in on all the players that are just sitting there. I'm like, you know, you don't need to do that. That's rude. That's so mean. Because I'm like, that's how I feel. (laughs) So, you know, thinking about those types of things is what's kind of because I'm an adult, as you Mm -hmm. point out, would be 41 in in no short time. Yeah. Um, 
And I'm like, like I'm bummed out about it, and I can't believe it, and I'm so sad that I didn't get to watch my team win, right? And then, like, you think about, well, is a team going to be good next year? What are the players that we're going to get back and injuries and all that stuff? And then you realize, like, you know, as sad as I am that these players didn't come through for my entertainment, it's nowhere close to, like, how sad they are. It's yeah. nowhere close to, like, how sad the coaches are and stuff. Like, I was thinking about this guy. I'm sure you remember Dre Greenlaw. He's a linebacker sure. for the 49ers. Okay. He's a guy, he's a guy he was running onto the field really excited and he fucking tore his Achilles <gasps> in the second half. Not and, Achilles. Ooh. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> Full circle. And I was like, "Oh fuck, this sucks." And like, you know, in the game it probably it, it affected it because the Chiefs moved the ball much better after he got injured. Mm-hmm. But and then I was like thinking about next year and I was like, oh, man, I hope Dre Greenlaw is back because the 49ers really need him. And then I was like, you know, this is a 26 year old kid. He was a fifth round pick. He Mm -hmm. worked his ass off. The sad part is, you know, he it's tragic for him that he tore his Achilles. Right. Like, I am not the sad. I'm not the aggrieved part. You're not the one. No, exactly. So thinking about all of those things makes me feel a little bit better um but i will say like i you know my usual process after i watch the super bowl and stuff is like to watch like the news stories and like the press conferences and all that shit nope not interested for like the first day and a half i didn't even want to talk to anybody about it Mm -hmm. because then i realized like that's a big part of my fandom like a big part of me following sports is i like talking about those things so i've slowly been well, not slowly. I'm pretty much full fledged. And now at this point, I'm just I'm fucking ready to go. Let's go oh, next year, baby. Let's go. No, let's no. Let's reload. Bang okay. bang Niner gang. Let's go, okay. baby. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 Okay. We well, got Hufanga back. We're, <laughs> we're we're having some issues with Brandon Ayuk. He's unhappy, but he's my son. He's not gonna be. He's not gonna be going. Anywhere. Now, is it true that Kyle Yuzcheck yeah. did not know the rules of the overtime? In Kyle Juszczyk's defense, and I don't want to compare myself to Kyle Juszczyk because he's a, <laughs> because he is a professional football player, yeah, and he went bad. to Harvard. He did. Yeah. Wow. And his, and his wife is the one that makes the yeah, jackets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, in Kyle Juszczyk's defense, I also didn't know the rules of the overtime, but it really wouldn't have mattered, right? Like, so the the rule change is that before this year in the playoffs. If a team gets the ball first and they score a touchdown, then the game's over. Yeah. But if they score a field goal, the other team gets a chance to get the ball back. Yeah. And do something with it. This year, the rule that they changed was if the first team scores a touchdown, the second team still gets a chance to oh, score a I didn't, touchdown. Oh, I didn't know that. So that's the difference, right? Now, what people say is that, you know, then it makes more sense to get the ball second. Yeah, because then you know exactly what it is that you need to do. So even yeah. if the first team scores a touchdown, then you're still fine. Oh, you know you have to score a touchdown. Yeah. Um, but the other change is then after the second team gets the ball and let's say they score and the game is tied, the first team gets the ball again, and at that point it's sudden death. Oh, so the yeah, thinking yeah. for the Forty Nine ers was okay. It. We'll either score a field goal or a touchdown, and then if you know, just hope that the Chiefs don't score a touchdown. Yeah, and then we get the ball back and we score. So, uh, well, it's a bummer. It's a big fucking bummer. What did you think of the halftime show? 
I'm going to confess something here. You didn't watch it? I didn't watch the halftime show. <gasps> I perfectly timed <clears throat> a Buffalo Wild Wings order. Oh, wow. For halftime. And thank God I did. Because when I went there, I still had to wait 10 minutes. And I got <gasps> back just in time for the second half. But I hear people didn't love it. The reactions um, I saw. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I mean, it's Usher. Like, all the songs were good. You could just tell, like, you know, when they were when they were doing um, I Want to Make Love in This Love, right? And they had oh, the- He did that at the yeah. Super Bowl? Yeah, and then- I got to watch this thing. You got to watch it. There was a big band. There was a marching band in the back. The horns, all of it. It was amazing. Um, the beginning of it was a little distracting. There were too many dancers on the field. Like I didn't, I couldn't like, and they were all in different costumes. And I learned that I'm an idiot. And like, if people are in different clothes and not in the same clothes dancing, mm-hmm. then I get really distracted by them. <laughs> well, it could just be because you can only see out of one eye right now. <laughs> <sighs> You're right. Um, and then, uh, so he did that. And then, um, you know, when turned down for what came on, right. Oh. Um, like you could just tell the the way that music drops the uh, you know da, 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 yeah but the before the drop yeah right yeah. the crowd was going bananas I was like could you just imagine the energy in the stadium at that time it was probably so much fun right because that drop is incredible like it's that whole lead up to that is so much fun so like that was good now Alicia Keys did come she mm-hmm. did she did join him. My boo? Uh yeah, she did sing and then she she started with uh um what's it called? Uh some people wanted right that one? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for Alicia, the singing was not good. Oh, her voice no. cracked. Oh no. her voice cracked and all of us that were sitting like watching it, like we all went <gasps> and like covered our faces <laughs> because it was bad. Um there was no Justin Bieber. Yeah, people are upset about that, right? I'm not. I mean, people were surprised by it, but like, apparently it was he said that he just wasn't feeling it, but like, that's okay. I feel like uh, Justin's been, he -hmm. he doesn't look good. He doesn't look like he's in a good place. He doesn't look healthy right now. Yeah. So it's like, why throw him on a giant stage like this if he's not feeling it, you know? Um, Also, like, I I know the connection between Bieber and Usher. Like, Usher discovered him in a parking lot and all that. I don't really recall. Bieber Usher songs. I know the Bieber Luda song. Baby. Um, yes, but that's I think like an Usher production. Yeah, of course. Um, I think there's some there's another one. I can't remember what it is, but there are some other Usher Bieber songs because they did like a performance once together and it was really good when Usher when Bieber was like <clears throat> prepubescent. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh her was there, which was great. Oh, She's super yeah. cool. And uh Ludacris obviously yeah people really excited in the group when luda showed up he's so fun also he's very attractive and um the funniest was that we all thought that there was uh CeeLo green oh no he's not he's not is he did he actually show up no it was not him all right good thank god it was jermaine dupree ah you know jermaine dupree is my go-to answer when i don't know a question Jermaine Dupri was wearing what I can only describe as an outfit that you would be forced to wear for a christening of your second cousins in the year 1924. Oh, I got to look this up. I have no idea what that is. 
you're going to see it and you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. Just look up Jermaine Dupree Super Bowl outfit. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Oh, those are short <laughs> pants. <laughs> <laughs> and the socks have like a frill on them. Like those you are know. socks that my mom used to, our mom used to put me in. With, like, yeah, no, that. Shiny that, shoes. What's missing with this is a frock, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. It's adorable. It was so cute. Um, but yeah, it was fun. I liked it. It was and then Usher roller skated in the middle of the performance. Like a That's bunch a of big part of Usher. Skating. Usher yeah. loves to roller skate. I love it. And but you know I, I yeah. think I believe that's an Atlanta thing, by the way. Okay. The roller skating. Because remember that movie ATL? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. There's a big a big part of it is roller skating. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Look well, at us. I'm cultured. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, that was uh, that was a halftime show. Did you see the Beyonce Verizon ad? I don't think so. <gasps> now, do you not know what's going on with Beyonce? Uh, she's very popular. No, no, I don't you're know what's gonna going on with you're gonna love this because it links back to what our conversation was last week regarding your love for country music, your secret oh. love for country music. Yeah is Beyonce has released country music. What? That's right. She's in her yeah. c- country era. I, I'm very excited for this. Yeah. She's got a song called 16 Carriages or 16 Carriage and then another one called Texas Hold'em. Good. Listen, she's she's a Texas gal. Yeah. She, and good for her. She yeah. should. Yeah. I'm very, and already country stations around the country uh, around conservative parts of the country are refusing to play her music. Are they really? Yeah. Motherfuckers. Yeah. yeah. But they'll play Morgan Wallen? Yeah, of course. Morgan Wallen, by the way, is an automatic skip yeah. on my playlist. Just I want to <laughs> make sure people... Because he has one really good song. It's called Last you... Night. I okay. may have heard it a couple of times, but then okay. I, I skip wow. it. Wow, <laughs> you know way more about country music than I thought. Do you know that Kyle Richards' uh, potential love interest uh, while she's getting a possible divorce from her husband is also a country singer no i just knew that she was a female i did not know that she was a country country singer singer. her name is morgan wade which is Ah. very close to morgan wallen yes so sometimes things show up on my feet for morgan wallen i'm like why is he here and then i get confused and yeah anyway but yeah she's a country singer also so it's a big time big time for country huh they got they got beyonce and they got me what else do you need Uh, um, the other really exciting news that happened immediately after the Super Bowl that everybody started texting me about was Marcus and, <laughs> and Larsa have broken up. And the funniest thing about it was it was just first name updates. They were like, did you hear about Marcus and Larsa? <laughs> like as if they're our personal friends. Marcus Jordan um, and Larsa Pippen, apparently there was all these rumors that they had broken up. Uh-huh. And it all started because Larsa posted in her Instagram story saying, should your friends unfollow your ex? Yes or no? Oh. And then people were like, well, Larsa following Marcus? And she's not. She had unfollowed Marcus. And Marcus was uh, on his Instagram stories watching the game, the Super Bowl, with his father, Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan has publicly said that he does not care for this relationship that he is uh, Marcus is in. Has he said that? Yeah. I I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He thinks that is weird. 
Yeah, it is fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> I would just tell MJ to watch, you know, the first three episodes of uh, Traitors. And see, th- <laughs> there was actual love there. Well, they broke up, right? But listen, our national nightmare is over. Camelot oh, they're back. Camel has not fallen. They were spotted <laughs> at a restaurant buying flowers, going back to their place together. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I'm happy for yeah. Marcus. Love is love is love. Yeah. I'm happy for Marcus and the woman he probably called his aunt <laughs> for all of his adolescence and teenage years. My dad's co-worker's wife. <laughs> <laughs> Auntie Larsa. Oh, my God. So weird. Hmm. Anyway, um, any other Super Bowl ads that happened that you wanted to talk about? Well, so, you know, people have been talking about there was this um, there's an organization called Stop Jewish Hate, mm-hmm. um, which is funded by or which is which was started by Robert Kraft. You know, who Robert mm-hmm. Kraft is he's yeah, the owner he's, of the um, Patriots. Yeah. Right. So he's always had, and it's, you know, it's an organization that, that goes back a couple of years. Um, so, you know, all of that, it's something about like a blue box or something. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's been around because anti-Semitism has been, uh, uh, you know, picking up even before all of this stuff happened. Right. I'm sure a lot of people noticed that anti-Semitism has been picking up. And yeah. a big part of it is because of all the white nationalists. Yeah, that are coming out of the woodwork, right? Yeah. So, this is an organization that was started by that. So, they had an ad, um, and before the Super Bowl, it was a big story because obviously Robert Kraft paid for it, and he's an owner. And the big part about it was that it was, you know, Super Bowl ads cost so much money. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, you know, there's going to be this ad that's going to be coming up, and people were already feeling away about it, obviously, because of everything that has been going on um, with uh, with Israel. and uh, gaza and everything which i understand you know why people would be like oh you know this feels like propaganda yeah Uh, but at the same time like it's anti-semitism is wrong and it is picking up so if he wants to spend his money to do that i think that's a noble cause right that's yeah well well within his rights and all those things the reason why people got upset about it or are upset about it is because you know it starts off with this gentleman who was i think a speechwriter for martin luther king and he talks about you know like the importance of speaking up he's like you know he starts off by saying you know when i was talking to my friend martin and then he goes into a thing and then there's all these images of it right and one of the images is um uh, a muslim person or two muslim people in front of graffiti, graffiti that says no Muslims and they're yeah. cleaning it off, right? So it's yeah. a woman in a hijab. There's a gentleman there who looks Muslim to me. Um, and, you know, they just mention, you know, they're just showing it as part of like the importance of standing up and how everybody's welcome and, and all those things, right? Um, but at the end, it is it is an anti-anti-Semitism ad. Sure. And there are obviously feelings right now about what anti-Semitism means. Mm-hmm. Um, because there has been this tying of anti-Semitism to anti-Israel sentiment, yeah. right? Yeah. So people feel a certain way about that. And then they also feel a certain way about the fact that there's a Muslim that's just kind of thrown in there. Yeah. Um, and that feels performative. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I watched it, like seeing Muslims there and seeing black people there, my immediate reaction was I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the fact that I felt like, oh, you know, it feels like they're co-opting this thing just for an anti-Semitism thing. But then I was like, well, for the organization, that is a good message. That is a yeah. good message to have, right? Like to tie everything else into it. I think where I land on it now, though, is that, you know, when you read more about the organization, about, um, you know, Stop Jewish Hate, it is it, it, it does also have like a lot of lobby ties. Yep. It does have ties to Congress people and, you know, the Israel PAC. Um, and, you know, you want to be careful about how you talk about this stuff because there's a lot of people that are looking for any conspiracy theory yeah, exactly. to be um, anti-Semitic. But the U.S.'s response to what's been going on, which is a fucking atrocity in Gaza, is bullshit. And a lot of that bullshit is from Congress and it comes from both parties, right? Yep. And so I was like, you know, in that ad, basically, I think at this point, if if you are talking about humanity and you're talking about anything that has to do with humanity and you're looking at current events and all those things, and part of your message isn't about a ceasefire, then it's all hollow, right? Yeah. And that's the reason why it felt hollow. Like all they had to do was like, Talk about the ceasefire. There's nothing wrong that doesn't make you less Jewish to say, I think killing innocent people is fucking wrong. Yes. So there's two things. One is that, let me just talk about what you just said so I don't lose my train of thought. I think that sometimes people, what I've learned, and this is something that I've recently learned, especially because we've been trying to pass a ceasefire resolution in my town. And we've been doing a lot of like, you know, just advocacy around the area and stuff and trying to reach out to like our representatives and our senators and everything. So what the kind of the sense that I always get from people who are who don't believe that it's important to talk about the ceasefire, but it is important to talk about anti-Semitism is that they feel that the ceasefire doesn't affect us. That's something that I've I've learned actually from watching a lot of Housewives Mm -hmm. is that like people love to respond People only have a reaction to something that affects them directly. The idea of empathy, like adults finding empathy or sympathy for people who are in situations that they could never find themselves in is shockingly a lot harder to find than like than people with empathy. And that's been really Mm -hmm. sad for me um, because a lot of people will say like, well, yeah, of course, like I'm going to speak out about this because you know, or hate crimes or anything like that, because it's affecting us directly. You know, there are people, there are people in this country who call for the genocide of Jewish people. There are people in this country who call for, you know, to kill all of the Jews of the world. There are people who have uh, horrible, horrible, like anti-Semitic beliefs about all kinds of people, but especially about Jewish people, like conspiracy theories and all that. That stuff does impact a Jewish person and their life in America and in this country. And so I understand the need for some sort of advocacy to make sure that people are protected. Of course, when we say ceasefire to them, it sometimes feels like, why are you meddling in this thing that has nothing to do with your life in America? And I think that that's something that I really wish people would pause when they say stuff like that, because if you are a person in America 
let's let's even remove the tax dollars part of it because there's mm-hmm. there's that right like we are funding the genocide that is why we want it to stop but i think the other thing is that like you as a human being when you see a shooting when you when you see a school shooting in let's say canada or any other country you don't just go mm-hmm. oh that's sad thoughts and prayers like and i'm not talking about conservatives i'm talking about liberals right we don't say we always say oh thoughts and prayers are not enough we have to do something to stop it we have to do something to stop gun violence right we can't just say thoughts and prayers when somebody says ceasefire and your response to them is yeah it's bad but like don't worry yourself with that focus on things that you can change in your own community you're essentially doing the same thing you're basically saying like protect your own peace don't worry about those people that are dying over there so there's that the other thing was there was an Israel ad in the Super Bowl. And I don't know if you saw that. So I've heard about this. This is like the one about like bringing people back. Yes. Uh, it's like from, a but Michael I don't know, Rappaport did, like narrated it. Did they actually show it during yeah. the game? I don't know if they did. I, Somebody I, sent me a link to that. But yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't remember seeing it. I don't know if it was during the game. I don't know if it aired every single place, but it was an ad purchased by, you know, by Israel and it was played and it was like insane to me that like here we are asking for a ceasefire because we are the ones that are funding this genocide and the people who are being funded to carry out the genocide are also using money to pay for an ad for propaganda and like that part really upset me a lot more um so that was that was a bummer and and on top of that I don't know if you, did you hear about what happened at the Rafa crossing during the Super yeah. Bowl? Yep. So during the Super Bowl, Rafa, which is the southernmost tip of Gaza, it is right before you cross into Egypt. It's where all of the Gazans were told to stay as a safe zone. It's the southernmost area. They kept telling them, go to the south, go to the south. There are people waiting in Gaza, in, in Rafa, during the Super Bowl hours, especially during the Super Bowl. They bombed the refugee camps there. They bombed the people that were seeking shelter in Rafa, and over 100 people died in a matter of hours, right? So in a day, I think the statistics are showing that in a day, 144 children die in Gaza, right? Like, so, so, like... We're, it's just the, it's like a, I think the word everybody keeps using is like dystopian, right? Like, yeah, it's so fucking crazy because part of me thinks this is also how the world has worked always, always, always. Yep. There has been atrocities that there have been atrocities that happen in the world. And the people who are not associated with that have been able to live fairly ignorant lives but it's just hard when you live in the world the way we do now, where we have so much information and so much we have so much information and the false and the false belief that we control things because of the amount of information we have we often think that we control a lot more than we are actually really even allowed to control and i think that that part of it is unbelievably frustrating as a human being to just like exist in Mm -hmm. yeah no it's all you know, those are also the types of things that I've been thinking about in my sadness. While well, you're like bummed like, out about well, this. Well, I'm bummed out because it, it is, you know, I'm, I am, uh, you know, a fully mature adult. I, I think so. 
You're middle-aged. Um, and, and obviously, you want to keep those two things separate, right? Like, you want to be like, well, you know, I, I can be sad about the sports thing, but I know real life and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, because it happened during the Super Bowl and because of, you know, I, I, I don't remember watching that Israel ad uh, during the game, but somebody sent it to me afterwards. And that ad is about hostages, right? Like the mm-hmm. hostages have to come back and they talk about the hostages that have been taken by Hamas and like how important it is. And 100%, yes, those hostages have to come back, right? But like, you can't, you can't make an ad with the information that we have and not like at least allude to the fact that we know tens of thousands of people have already died yeah, and they continue to die and they're fucking kids, man. Like they're kids that are dying. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yes, I, I am 100% against anti-Semitism, but to me, if at this point you aren't mentioning ceasefire if you aren't like then i'm sorry i'm gonna i'm not gonna care as much about your message right well it's also like apples and oranges like Mm -hmm. it's it's almost like saying like yeah i know that there's bad things happening by people who represent a particular group but that group of people um there's bad things being done by people who represent a certain group who claim that they represent a certain group, mm-hmm. but that group is also a victim to racism. And it's like, yes, but I always say this all the time, just because you have had racism happen to you doesn't mean that you are incapable of also being racist, right? Like yeah. it happens all the time. And I think like we're looking at apples and oranges and I think that people are hiding behind, behind the idea behind this, this, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's so funny because it's not funny like a couple weeks ago, right. We had like the Harvard professors and uh, all these Ivy league professors, like they lost their jobs because they were saying, you know, people are in town uh, in schools calling for a genocide of Jews. Right. Those same people are also the people who are saying that when you stand up and you call what is happening in Gaza, a genocide, it is, anti-semitic and hurtful to jewish people and if you are a person with sense and you hear those two sentences and you hear those two thoughts and you don't see the hypocrisy and the lack of self-awareness and the insanity of that like that type of circular cuckoo banunu logic then then i keep saying this i don't have any more words for people like i i no longer have the patience or the or the time or words for people who are still denying that this is an ethnic cleansing Yep. They literally there was there was five hundred thousand people that lived in Gaza City. Zero people live in Gaza City now. That is an ethnic cleansing. They cleanse the area yeah. of a particular ethnicity of people. That is an yep. ethnic cleansing. Okay, Tel Aviv yep. used to have a ton of Palestinians living there. It does not anymore. Like it's mm-hmm. there's a lot of things like this that happen. It is an ethnic cleansing. It is, and I think that like. Uh, people always say to me like, yeah, but the Jews have existed and have the right to exist and have the right to exist in the land. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, literally no one is saying that you shouldn't. Yeah, you should, but you shouldn't do it by murdering. Nobody should be doing it by murdering and displacing millions of people. 
exactly like you know uh, you know as muslims that have grown up in like the last well for me for the last 41 years you woof for a, <laughs> a little bit less time you know i think we obviously and i think it probably started in the 90s right when you started seeing um you know muslims get this reputation across the world right this reputation of just like right now if you say the word terrorist unfortunately the image that most people have is of a muslim person right yeah and obviously senseless acts of violence against citizens against civilians is 100 percent fucked up right it and it's so it's it's weird but i think i think you know as muslims this is like an extra step that we have to take, which is to call, you know, to say terrorism is bad, because I think if you don't do that, then people are like quick to like, you know, make you like pro Hamas or whatever. But yeah, obviously it's bad. Right. At the same time, it's just like we've been talking about. You know, when a military commits these actions, it doesn't mean that it is in any way justified. Yeah. Right. Like those innocent people that died, those kids that are dying right now, you know, you have to have empathy, especially if you are going to be waving the flag of like, oh, we have to protect civilians against terrorism. And then you go and you kill civilians in the hundreds of thousands and the millions if we're going to be looking at the Iraq and the uh, Afghan war and the Afghanistan war, right? Like, those things are obvious to everybody, right? Yeah. And so all of this conversation otherwise feels hollow. Like I saw this thing about like Joe Biden, you know, there's a new story out. And I think this is what the Democrats are doing now because they know they're fucking losing the base mm-hmm. as they should because their actions have been fucking cowardly yeah. um, since October. But there's this new story that I saw that said that Joe Biden is frustrated with Netanyahu um, about, you know, civilians dying. And I'm like, Joe Biden's frustrated? Yeah. I'm frustrated. Oh, I'm, I'm like, so sorry, I'm, Joe. Yeah, I'm frustrated, like, when my jacket zipper doesn't work. That's when you <laughs> use the fu- word fucking frustrated. There's fucking war crimes going on over here. You don't get frustrated over that. You have to fucking stand up and do something about it. Yeah. And you are the person who can do something about it. You and the people in the government are the people who are supposed to do something about it. So there, that's the reason why people are so angry. Right? Yeah. We're justified in our anger. Yeah. I think another thing that I've been thinking about a lot is the fact that like all of the carnage that happened in Afghanistan and Iraq that like we obviously knew about because we were all anti-war people. But I think about like the the level of destruction that we're seeing out of Gaza in the last and also the West Bank in the last four months. And I'm thinking about like the amount of shit that we didn't see in Iraq and Afghanistan. And Mm -hmm. that fucks me up sometimes to think about. I mean, all the time if I think about it. And I think like, a lot of people that are like, well, you don't see, uh, we, I, you didn't see this level of, uh, you know, um, d- disagreement over the Iraq war. And I was like, well, you weren't paying attention, but everybody yeah. disagreed with that. But yeah. also they're like, it's only when, you know, Jews defend themselves. And it's like, no, it's when mass people are massacred, mass massacred, yeah. um, 
in the way that they are. So, and, and um, you know, yeah. I think part of the reason is like people are coming out now because we are more aware. We are yeah. more aware of like, you know, when they, before the Iraq war happened, there were obviously there were protests. There were a lot of protests before it happened. People knew then that this was a war that was, you know, that wasn't in any way tied to 9-11 or wasn't justified by what happened in 9-11, right? Like that was a big, that was a big selling point. Right. And then they, you, you know, they, um, they threw in like the weapons of mass destruction, which were obviously never found. So, you know, the war was basically done on a lie. And at the end of the day, what you see is, you know, hundreds of thousands of civilians dying and the U S having better access to the oil reserves. So I'm sorry, call me a conspiracy theorist, but like, those are obvious things that you see. Right. But the reason why people care so much why people should be caring about, um, you know, what's happening in Gaza the same way that they should be caring about what's happening in, in, in Ukraine and all those things is because as humanity, as human beings, we are supposed to evolve. Obviously, we know that war is a real thing and it's going to be a real thing probably for the rest of our lives. Right. But yeah. at a certain point, we will have to evolve past it because it's dumb. You know, it's it's hot take hot hot take hot take take, like very obviously obviously there's a lot of killing in the world and sometimes you have to step in and take out a bad guy right yeah but the wars on mass scale that affect so many innocent people there are better ways to find solutions right Yeah. yeah and so yeah people are gonna look at context People are going to want to know the whole story and people are going to have something to say about it. And when they have something to say about it, you know, if you're not dealing with the issue head on and you're trying to make like side conversations or whatever, that's when you know you're in the wrong, right? Yeah. Yes, there are. I'm not sure how the number of hostages that are still out there. Yeah. I think it's around like 200 or so. It's less than 200 now. It's like 170 something, I think. So 170. Obviously, each one of those lives matter. Yeah. They do. And those are family members and fathers and daughters and sons and, you know, mothers and, and all those things. And you want them to come back. Right. But just because a number is bigger and it's a number that we don't understand, like 40,000, all of those 40,000 lives also mattered. Yeah. All of those, you know, all of those things mattered. So, yeah, if you're going to if you're going to if you're going to use a number of hostages to like say, hey, oh, look at how bad this is. You also have to look at the other number and you have yeah. to be honest. And if you're not, it's like what you said, if you're not honest about that number, then there's a deeper issue there. Then you think that one life isn't equal to the other life, right? And yeah. you have to figure out why that is to you. Well, it's also like this idea, like when you say ceasefire, somebody's like, but have you asked for the hostages back? And I'm like, ask <laughs> who? <laughs> ask who? Who am I asking? I'm- I'm going to say this. I am frustrated that Hamas has not returned the hostages. Did you, Raheel, did you try writing, handwriting Hamas? <laughs> That's true. I should. Yeah, exactly. You should look up, find your social studies teacher. <laughs> Mr. He'll get Cole. you the address. I don't think he's I don't think he's alive, honestly. Oh, no, Mr. he's not with us. It was I, I think in, uh, in retro, well, I probably shouldn't say his name multiple times. <laughs> People will figure it out. Mr. Cole, wherever you are, I hope you're alive and well. You're my favorite teacher in seventh grade. You should find him, get the address for Hamas, handwrite letter, <laughs> use their first names, 
Um, listen, I think that's like one of the silliest things. Have you asked, mm -hmm. how come you're, nobody's asking for the hostages to come back? Hey, it's because my government, my government <laughs> isn't liaising with Hamas. My government is paying the government that's dropping the bombs on the people that are killing 30,000 people. Like yeah, that's, exactly. that's why, that's why I'm making noise. It's not because, and also it's like, it's so ridiculous to me because it's like in one way you say that these people are like so barbaric and there's no government and they're a terrorist organization and blah, 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 that they can't be like, you know, um, you can't talk to them. But at the same time, then you're telling me that like, no, me, woman from New Jersey, needs mm -hmm. to let them know to you know return the hostages so. old cyclops face has <laughs> <laughs> mad eye moody over here <laughs> um hey can i tell you what happened on vanderpump rules i have a feeling it's gonna delight you okay you know why why because you're an ariana hater that's why oh i listen i'm an ariana truther <laughs> <laughs> So this week, on I'm not doing a Vanderpump Rules episode because I'm not doing any more episodes for the rest of the week because I will be on vacation. Um, Ooh, but fancy. <laughs> on Vanderpump Rules, um, what's happening, what we're seeing now is that there's a group of people who are, you know, agreeing to film with each other and a group of people who do not want to film with Tom. Like that group mm -hmm. of people do not want to film with Tom. So Tom Sandoval has come back and like, he tried to talk to Schwartz. Tom Schwartz is hanging out with him, but nobody else is hanging out with Sandoval, like at all. And so it's becoming essentially like a filming issue because they're like, what show are we filming then? Like that we're going to constantly every night have two sets of filming where Tom is having, for example, a very sad birthday party reveal where his guest list included random bartenders and his vocal coach. <laughs> And it was like a gathering of 12 people at his house for his birthday. And, you know, the other group is like a much, much more bigger fun. It's every, it's the A team. Everybody wants to hang out there anyway. So this whole episode was just like Tom away from everyone and basically going around begging people to hang out with him by saying that, like, you know, I feel like the crime uh, is smaller. It doesn't match the punishment that yeah. he's getting. Mm -hmm. Because he's like, I'm not, I've not done anything that nobody else in this group has done. Just you're like, is that true? Possibly. Yeah. Like at this entire show is mm -hmm. cheater, cheater, pumpkin eaters. Like, yeah. but I would say the level of deception here, Tom Sandoval is quite different than anybody else's shit. Right. And it, it's also yeah. the fact that he's always been like so self-righteous and like presented himself to be like an honest guy that this sucks even more. But he did all that. And then um, at the end, we were back at the Sir back alley. Now, as you know, nobody on this show has worked as a waiter at Sir in ages. <laughs> but we found ourselves in the back of the Sir back alley because it was during an event called Real. See you next Tuesday. Oh. It's DJ James Kennedy's... <laughs> DJ James Kennedy's exclusive night at Sir called See You Next Tuesday. Sunday. You know, I'm sorry, this is just an aside. When you say DJ James Kennedy, it reminds me of um, Stefan. Yeah. Of uh, Bill Hader. <laughs> yeah. DJ, DJ Baby Bok Choy. 
<laughs> yes. Basically the same thing. But the funniest thing is all of the group, like usually there's a table that they always film at when they're at Sir, where everybody's hanging out. It's like a back area or whatever. Tom's not even allowed to sit back there. So Tom is having to sit at a one at a table with one other person to like film a scene. And mm-hmm. then he finally asks Sheena to talk to him. And then he goes into the Sir back alley to talk to Sheena. And he's like telling Sheena that like, you know, basically everybody in the group except for Ariana is is like kind of using how shitty he is to make money, like profit yeah. off of things, whether it's podcasts or whatever, whatever. And he's like, I think it's it's actually weird that Ariana, the one person who is the most hurt, is the only one who's actually not using her time to drag me. She's just like focusing on herself, but everybody else is, you know, dragging me. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair. And he kind of tells Lisa that like, you know, it got him so depressed that he was like suicidal almost and all this stuff. So I was like, oh, man, things are really bad. But then, of course, Sheena was like, Tom. You've been touring the country with your shirt off, singing bad songs and adding Raquel and shorts. Like at one point he sang a song that says like shorts lost his house and like another song he's like using Raquel and like he's making jokes about all these things. Like he's making jokes about Scandaval on stage. And then he's like, Lisa, I'm so sad that I thought about ending it. And like, I don't, you know, I've talked a lot about my own suicidal depression, so I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, is it real or is it not? But listen, (laughs) some of that behavior I wasn't so sure about. But my favorite thing about Tom Sandoval is that he talks like this the whole time. He whines like a child. I I was wondering if we asked when he asked for Sheena, if he was like, hey, Sheena. Can we just talk? Can, we talk? Hey. Can you talk for a second? Can I talk to you for a second? He was on the Howie Mandel podcast, which came up on my YouTube somehow. Yes. I think I talked about this. The <laughs> least compelling human being I have ever heard. I'm like, who wants to listen to this? He's the like, m- you know, it wasn't even right. Like, I mean, it doesn't even make sense. And Howie Mandel was like, okay. <laughs> Howie Mandel has no idea who this man is. And the funniest part of that podcast reel was that he had a mustache that he had Howie Mandel shave during his podcast. Yeah. Howie Mandel, who is a certified germaphobe. Yeah. Famously. Famously. He's like, yeah, I'll shave this random dude, disgusting man's mustache. That's a health risk for Howie. Anyway. So that's what's going on in Vanderpump Rules. It's obvious that like this is a filming issue. And I do think that the show will no longer film after this season. I think it's done after this season. Oh, you're muted. You said there was some anti-Ariana stuff. Well, the anti-Ariana stuff is that um, Schwartz is like, you're not the queen, Ariana. You can't speak for everybody. You can't speak for everyone. If you don't want to hang out with Tom, that doesn't mean that nobody else is allowed to hang out with Tom. And everybody's like, no, we don't want to hang out with Tom. Yeah, it's not really anti-Ariana. That's not the stuff I'm looking for. I mean, I, I hear the story, and I'm still, you know, Tom's. You're looking for a tar. You're looking for a tar and feather. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm not looking for a tar. I'm looking for, I'm looking for, uh, you know, some sort of scandal that you know that that tells me that Ariana is the worst. But I don't think no, that that didn't allowed. happen. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the it's happen. the thing is the. Fortunately for Ariana, Tom Sandoval is so the worst that yeah, there's exactly. nothing that she could ever do that would make him less worse than she is. The worst thing that Ariana ever did was date Tom Sandoval. 
that's that is the biggest yeah yeah that's that's her biggest crime Mm -hmm. um real quick last week we talked about the grammys and how like jay-z got up there and like said that Mm -hmm. stuff about beyonce or whatever and i forgot to mention this but people were like didn't jay-z cheat on his wife why is he up there now defending her wasn't he the guy that cheated on beyonce why is he up there talking about beyonce and i was like if my husband cheated on me, mm-hmm. you better hope that anytime he wins an award, yeah, he goes up there. That's all he uses, talks. About. That's all he talks about. He yep. spends the rest of his days just glorifying his wife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, stupid yeah. people. Dumb. <laughs> it's the least he can do. You know, there's a lot of dumb people with a lot of dumb opinions online. Yeah, I, I was think- thinking. <laughs> I was thinking about this when you told me about the Travis Kelsey haircut. Yeah. Right. Like people, you're like people are calling the Travis Kelsey, uh, the, the fade, a Travis Kelsey haircut, right? Yeah. And you were like, "That's fucked up." And I was thinking, like, isn't that just like an indication? Like, if somebody goes to a barber shop and says, "Give me the Travis Kelsey haircut," right? Isn't that just an indication that the person's a fucking moron? And yeah. like we, sh- like that's basically where it should end, right? Yeah. It's not- yeah. Um, just quick, we we did not talk about Taylor this episode. Oh, thank God. Well, here we go. Okay. <laughs> but so another 45 minutes. No, 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 no. I can't. I got a pack. I have the Uber is coming in six hours. Um, were you, uh, now I know you were in a deep state of depression. The confetti yeah. was falling and you were, uh, somber to say yes. the least. Mm-hmm. Did you see the footage of, um, him singing um viva las vegas viva las vegas so and ta- interesting and cut to taylor going Ugh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i did watch that live so interestingly um i after the game ended i went catatonic for a little bit <laughs> i just I, blaming myself blaming my actions i was like well you know that buffalo wild wings trip that's really what did it <laughs> that and the fact that i bought a tv for yeah. that day and had to rent a u-haul truck to bring it home <laughs> and then the tv didn't work and i was like yeah of course of course that's gonna happen um so i was catatonic i also um at some point i may have started recording my own video because i was sure that the 49ers were gonna win and i wanted to oh, capture my no. reaction yeah yeah that happened that 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 was a video that was on my computer that i deleted yesterday after i came across it anyways oh, no. so i was blaming myself i was completely dead and um so the game was just on um and watching that travis kelsey specifically you know him doing his antics or whatever it kind of made it easier for me because i was like oh this is just fucking entertainment right yeah. this is just whatever and and then i was like oh this is just a super bowl this happens every year or whatever but yes i did i did see that yeah yeah what did you My think favorite, of it i thought it was i i was uh i was embarrassed for him <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was embarrassed for him but i also am like this is the guy that spelled squirrel squirrely so like i don't think that this is really something that like she's not aware of and also like we mentioned before i think taylor swift is such a cringy millennial that she probably was oh my god my boyfriend is so cute um i did love to see all of the after party footage not of taylor and travis Mm -hmm. but of jason 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 kelsey's the best superior kelsey he is oh easily so easily 
Very you know, sad that he's retiring from the. Well, Eagles. it's not official yet. <gasps> he's going to take a couple of weeks to think about it. Yeah. Oh, I hope he doesn't retire. Us. I love that dude. He's yeah. he's really good. And you know, I love Travis Kelsey also. Travis Kelsey is. No, he's actually, a good guy. A he's guy. a fun he's guy. guy. Yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, but there is something like weirdly high school about like every time Taylor comes out with her big celebrity friends to watch her boyfriend play football. You know what I mean? So it's it was like very Americana. Like I think that that's that's the thing that I think is so funny that like why do mm-hmm. conservatives hate Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey when like if you think about it, it's like two beautiful white people. It's the most American thing in the world. Two beautiful white people, the popular girl dating the football guy. Like mm-hmm. this is all conservative values. Like it yep. is so American and you, but they're so miserable that they're like we don't like it because they got vaccinated. Yeah. And because they know that, you know, she's probably going to be anti-Trump. Right. Yeah. So they're just getting out in front of it. So <sighs> anyway, well, I hope you feel better, Rehill. I, You know what? This conversation made me feel better. All right. Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to. Well, <laughs> I thought you would. I thought you would take uh, great pleasure in that. But apparently you don't. <laughs> um, I am. Yes. Listen, I'm. I'm excited for next year. I'm going to root for my boys. I'm going to root for them throughout the summer. I'm excited. They've started to make some moves. The defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, uh, was let go, which was something that we all saw kind of coming. So it's okay. It's still big news. Take it to another podcast. Now you're going into way too much detail. You know what my husband said to me the other day? He said, I wish I was an assistant coach. And I was like, what? (laughs) And he said, yeah, I feel like assistant coach would be the best job because it's like, you know, I'd be the best assistant coach. I'd be there helping the coach. I was like, yeah, but I think most assistant coaches are there because like the next step is to become the coach. And he was like, no, I would never do that. In fact, part of my job interview would be like, this is it. I would never come and take your job from you. This is as far as I go. I just want to be the coach's assistant. And I was like, I think the coach's assistant is a different job than the assistant coach. Yeah, exactly. It's like like uh, assistant brand manager or um yeah no assistant coaches have a terrible job and they don't get paid as much it's basically 20 hours oh, anyways wow. that's what they're gonna say well you have a great trip hey thanks it's this your first time in los angeles no no you've been there before i've been there before this is my second time in los angeles and i will be going there again in april with my children and my husband. Oh, I thought this was your April trip, but it's not. This is my you. solo trip. It's Man, with- this podcast must be doing well. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of. Well, you did buy a television the day of the Super Bowl, so yeah, the podcast must be doing well. <laughs>